This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So this series has had five parts to it. The first three. In serving a bigger picture, we need to learn how to lead afraid while not being led by our fears. That idea of fear is just an inevitable part of it. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. In serving a bigger picture, we need to know what we know. So God will stir into our heart. He'll give us something that we just know. We may not even be able to explain it. We just know, like, this is something I feel like I just need to do. Number three, in serving a bigger picture, we need to work with. We talked a lot about that again today, trying to pull all these teams together. That, that, that leadership is not just me on top of a mountaintop alone. If you find yourself as a leader being really proud because you got to the mountaintop and you're standing all there alone... You're a hiker, not a leader. All right? And hiking's fine. Have a good time. Just don't confuse the two. Number four, in serving a bigger picture, we need patience. We need, can we say the K word there? We need keros. We need patience. We need patience. I, I was looking back at the sermon last week, and boy, there were some funny answers about what people's struggles were with impatience, because we really can see where impatience can just sort of throw us for a loop all the time. And today, in serving a bigger picture, we need to see, can we read the yellow together? In serving a bigger picture, we need to see the miracles all around us. That there's miracles all around us. Listen carefully to this. Listen carefully to this. And this is when I would take a note on my phone, by the way. When we move, God moves too. When we move, God moves too. I think that's so important, that in that movement, God will move too, and then we'll start to see miracles, and we'll start to see them abundantly. So to get today started, in talking about like miracles and how miracles show up, we first need to understand, well, what kind of can get in the way? We're going to be looking at a story about how when we take on leadership roles, a lot of the time, frankly, we just get tired. I mean, just that's the simplest way I can put it. We get fatigued, we get tired. So the question I'd like you to answer is this. What is the first thing to go when you get tired? When you start to get tired, what's the thing that just like, bang, this happens and this happens and this happens? You're welcome to share that with someone around you. Our online audience is welcome to text that in. And we're going to talk then about this being the problem. And we're going to start to look at a Bible story that talks about that very tiredness. So please share. All right, folks. So these are the things that start, that start to happen. Uh, and there's one that is just winning over and over again. Uh, patience came up numerous times. Recreation, fun, creativity, desire, motivation, tolerance. I become listless. Uh, clarity of thought goes. Uh, patience. Casey's volunteering. Yes, Casey, you are up to, you are, Casey's gonna be up to bat. That'll be good. Common sense, motivation, patience, and joy. Um, and that's interesting. Yeah, eyesight can even help us are now in our 50s. And when we get tired, all of a sudden things aren't literally as focused as they used to be. My eyesight and my patience was what that person added. So, so these are all important. Like, and, and that's what starts to happen is, is we take on these leadership roles is inevitably tiredness is going to show up. And a lot of the time we look at that and we say, well, something must be wrong. And I want to talk about a story so that you can start to understand, nope, it's just part of the story. The tiredness is part of it. And as we lean into that and get like, yep, this is part of the story too, there's actually a gift over on the other side. And that's gift where we start to see that miracles happen. When we move, God moves too. When we move, 
God moves too. Now, I want to tell you this ancient, ancient, ancient story. And it's a story that goes back, you know, thousands of years. Again, is, is for our first time people, new church, we read the Bible very poetically, like if these stories actually are poems that tell us these beautiful things about our lives. And it's, it's the story of sort of bad guys and good guys, this story I'm going to tell you today. And, and these are the bad guys here, the Amalekites. Could we say that together? Amalekites. Yeah, somebody said that with a real Amalekitish voice. That was good, whoever that was out there. So, so Amalekites, like we're going to look at that and we're going to look at them as part of the story. And when you think of the Amalekites, what do they picture in this story? Now, I want to give you the context first. So we're looking at a story. It's a story of the journey to the promised land. If you hear about the promised land and culture, it goes back to these stories that go back to the book of Exodus. And it's a group of people, the children of Israel, who are moving out of slavery up to the promised land, and on that journey, they're constantly attacked. And this is a story is about when they were attacked, I want you to say it, when they were attacked by the Malachites. When they were attacked, isn't that a great name? That's a good bad guy name. Like, they were attacked by the Malachites. And the Amalekites, like historically we know this, they were a nomadic tribe who sort of picked people off around the edges. Uh, they were a raiding tribe. They did not have settled agriculture or anything. They were just looking to, to, to see groups that were moving through, pick off the weakest of those groups, uh, you know, pillage those groups, and use that. That's how they sustain themselves. Not a terribly nice group to be part of. And what I want you to be listening to the story was, is, is listen to that in case we have that history, but then the poetry of it says. So the Amalekites, like when we get tired, stuff starts to attack. Right? How many of us, when we're really exhausted as a parent, how many of you would say you're at your best parenting when you're really tired? Anybody here? How many of you would say you're at your worst parenting when you're really tired? You know, like, quiet, please! Right? We're just, we're just, we're exhausted. We're exhausted. So we're never at our best. And that's what this is really a story about. It's about when we get tired, inevitably certain attacks start to happen around the edges of our lives. And, and so this is a story about how we can start to handle those. So I want to read the story to you. And then I want to talk about what, what the, what the bigger poetic meaning is. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. Moses said to Joshua, so Moses is the big leader. Joshua is the general. These are the good guys in the story. Choose some of our men and go out to fight them. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So, so Moses says, you go down there in the valley, you fight. I'm going to go up and watch from the top of a hill. So Joshua, who's the general, fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, and here we see a couple other people introduced to the story, Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top. Moses goes to the top of the hill, and he brings two friends with him, Aaron, who's a priest, a minister, and Hur, who's, the, who's one of the leaders of a, a large tribe. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up one on one side, one on the other. So his hands remained steady till sunset. So that's the basic of the story. So this is what we're asked to picture. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. So we're going to look at, like, what do all these different pieces mean? And what does this really have to say in my life? Because if I, if I just look at it literally, like, okay, interesting history, but kind of so what? What does that have to do with us here in 2016? 
So we flip to the next slide. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So I want to talk about what that is. And I'm going to have you help me with this. So could we all stand up? All right, now we're going to do a little thing here together. I I read a silly article, and the silly article was this. It said, the difference between a progressive church and a conservative church is do you raise your hands in worship or not? And I thought, could we think of something a little better? So we're just going to pretend we're all a bunch of progressive Christians here. We're going to raise our hands. All right, so so hands are up, right? Hands are up. Now, Now, for all of us, you can't keep your hands up forever. Remember as a kid, you used to like double dare you, you know, for how long you could keep your hands up. You can't really do it. I realize there's some kid in here who's going, yes, I can. You know that little video with the kid staring down the cameraman? Probably saw that. Right? No, you can't. You go home and try it. You send me an hour-long video with you. Do it, and I'll buy you Rita's if you can pull it off. So, so hands up. Now, now, imagine your hands are up. And this is like the good days. So you kind of wave your hands here. You know, life is going really good. It's all like yesterday was, just as beautiful as beautiful could be. But then what starts to happen? Casey's already starting. What starts to happen with our hands? They start to get tired, right? Like we have this, woo! And then slowly the hands start to do this. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. All right, get the hands back up. So, so you guys look great from this angle, just so you know. So, so, so just, just like play the tape. Play the tape. We're going to run through this a couple times. So play the tape. So my hands are up. I'm really good. Da, 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 da. And then this little creeping voice starts to come in. Blah, 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 blah. All right? Now, just to give you the sense of how those voices work, you're actually going to say it out loud. Don't worry about the person sitting beside you listening to you. It's all right. You're all going to say it. You're just going to hear a huge amount of voices. You're going to just play your garbage tape when your hands get tired. All right? You ready? Hands up here. And as soon as I say start, start chatting. You're not hearing mine online. Ready? Go. Keep them coming down. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's it. Boom. And the itsy bitsy spider came down the water spout, right? <laughs> you know, like and we all have that tape, right? We all have that tape. I'm no good. I'll never win. This is stupid. God has shown up for me everywhere else in my life, but he sure as heck ain't showing up here. You know, welcome to the world. Say it again, the A word. Welcome to the world of the Amalekites. You see them picking you off on the fringes? You know, those little small voices. You may be seated there, folks. I think, folks, what what starts to happen, and listen carefully to this again. This is one I might take a note on because I think it's important. What starts to happen here is is my hands are up here and they start to come down. The thoughts start to come. I'm going to ask you to think of it a little differently. For a lot of people, they think, hey, if I could keep my hands up, there'd be no problem. Well, can you always keep your hands up, yes or no? No, it's not an option. I don't care how long you train. I don't care if you're Michael Phelps. You will never keep your hands up the whole time. So that's, that's the number one thing. And then number two, then, then what starts to happen is we start to get a thought in our head like, oh, no, this isn't going to work. Uh-oh, this time it's different. It's, it's all coming to an end. I can see it. So we start to do something called catastrophizing. A great word to know. Where we start to catastrophize and and then our hands just come down. And then, of course, we're losing the battle. What I ask you to think about is this. And this is kind of a flip, right? I think a lot of the time we think, well, I'll have a thought and then that leads to my fear. 
right? But maybe what's really happening here, maybe, I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there for you to consider. Maybe it's a fear of yours that's looking for a thought. Maybe it's a fear of yours that's looking for a thought. So as you were, as you were talking about all that little mumbling, blah, 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 maybe it wasn't the mumbling. Maybe that's just a fear deep in your heart that's coming out and going like, oh, I can grab this thought, and I can grab this thought. My fears are so good, they'll even grab thoughts from fourth grade. They'll even grab thoughts from fourth grade. How many of us can have our fears grab thoughts from elementary school? <laughs> we're, we're well, we may be well past it. Right? So, so the trick is to, to really start to, to look at that and try to understand it. Like, what is that fear that's giving rise to, that's giving rise to a thought? And how is it glomming onto that thought? And how can I maybe start from my hands being here to maybe getting my hands back up again? That's where the miracle comes. That's where the miracle comes. Listen carefully, folks. Maybe we can't get our hands back up. Maybe we can't. Maybe that's the beginning of real leadership wisdom. Actually, I can't. I can't. And maybe when we come to that point of our hands down and we're losing the battle again and again and again, maybe then something can start to build. Maybe start to build through other people. New church. God doesn't do good directly to us. He does good indirectly through other people. We're critical to each other. It is on purpose that we are in this life together. No accident. Kind of interesting, right? I want to show you a video. I want you to think about how even in those moments of collapse, how other people can start to show up for each other. Take a look at this video. This morning, we have an incredible story of perseverance and the bond shared by newlyweds. Doctors gave Matthew Davis a very slim chance of survival after a motorcycle accident left him in a coma. But Danielle, his wife of just seven months, refused to give up on her husband. Vanita Nair shows us how this couple has been defying the odds ever since. Vanita, good morning. Good morning. Doctors told Danielle Davis her husband would probably never regain consciousness and that she should consider taking him off life support but she chose not to listen to that advice. Matt Davis was never supposed to ride a bike again. Wait, what do you think? I'm loving this. Or climb walls. There you go, you don't need a peg. Or do push-ups. Holy crap. Simple things that once seemed impossible because nearly four years ago, this is what Davis looked like. He was in a coma, suffering from a traumatic brain injury with multiple broken bones. The result of a motorcycle crash, the doctors gave his wife a grim prognosis. He literally drew a graph on the board and said, you know, 90% of people with this injury never regain consciousness. Finally, the doctor said, you know, if this were me, I would want my family to pull the plug. You fought for me the whole time so hard. Yes. And if you really think of the best reason I'm here today. Shrugging the doctor's advice, Danielle took Matt home to care for him. And after three months, he awoke from his coma. But it soon became apparent he had lost all memory of his wife. It was like, someone like, that's your wife? I was like, 
Yeah. <laughs> For Danielle, it was bittersweet. When I realized he doesn't remember me, he's never going to remember me, those things are gone. Simple acts most people take for granted, like being able to walk, drive a car, or decorate a Christmas tree, now have new meaning. Hold on to me. Hold on to me. Don't get, don't get nervous. Push the needle, push the needle. While insurance pays for his rehabilitation, Danielle says Matt needs additional, intensive long-term therapy in order to make more advances. She started a GoFundMe page to help with those out-of-pocket costs. The Davises say their faith has been important. The doctors, they know what they're talking about, you know, and it's good advice and it's good counsel, but that doesn't mean that they're right. If you believe in God, then believe in God. You know, take what you know to be true. You've been hurt in my life. So God knew what he was doing. So. Wow. As of this morning, more than $15,000 has been raised through their GoFundMe page. Once Matt is fully mobile, the Davises say they want to move into a house in Georgia and start raising children. They also want to have another wedding to replace the one that Matt forgot. Mm, yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of the story when they said, that's your wife. He goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt and Daniel. But what makes this story so extraordinary to me, even more extraordinary, they'd only been married seven months. And they had only really known each other for about two months before. So wow. this was all wow. sort of fast-tracked. Boy, she's an angel. Talk she about for better or worse in your vows. That's right, yeah. It's a really good example. Thanks. Thank you, Vanita. Thanks, Vanita. And, uh, you know, when we're tired, like, yeah, that's the time we get, we wait. We start to wait for a miracle. So I want to come back to the story and, and start to build about, like, yeah, how does that start to work where the hands come back up? So let's take a look at the passage one more time. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And just picture this, folks battle happening out there. The man who's the leader, Moses, you know, is sitting there and the servant leader and he's just getting tired. And his hands come down. And he realizes he can't keep his hands up. But his friends do. His friends are there. People there to connect and help in miraculous ways, in Ways that are just a miracle. A picture that might look like this. This is the way someone, famous artist, did it. A picture like that. Helping them to win this battle. Now when you look at that picture and you look at those, th those three men, Aaron, Moses, and her sitting on a stone, New Church Theology says, you know what, this is really about different kinds of, of things we can know. And I'm going to rattle through them real quick, and then I'm going to pull them down. It's, yeah, what could this actually mean in our lives? Joshua, the one down there in the plane, the general, that's fighting truth. That's, that's that truth that we know that kind of gets us fighting. It gets us out there doing it, not fighting with each other. It's, it, we've talked about this before. There's what we fight about. There's what we fight for. Fighting truth is the fighting for part. I thought of a quote. You know, I was trying to think, well, from God's word, what, are, what would be a fighting truth quote for me? And one for me is, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not, as for me in my house, we maybe should do it. No, it's, we will serve the Lord. As best we can, we're going to serve God. As best we can. That's a fighting truth for me. The stone, the stone part that he sat on, that pictures ultimate truth. You know, the stuff that you can really sit on, foundational stuff. That's, that foundational stuff is so critical. And of course, it can also be a fighting truth, which is interesting. A lot of these can sort of, um, you could use them in different ways. 
But I know as a pastor, what's the foundational truth I think I want people to most know? Because I see people struggle with this all the time. Please listen carefully. You are loved. You are loved. All those Amalekite voices will tell you you aren't, you never were, and you never can be. Foundational rock truth. Foundational truth is this. You are loved. When you're feeling like you can't stand anymore, you can't stand it anymore, sit in that place for a minute. That you are loved. And then from that place, like I'm sitting on this foundational truth, I know there's things out there that are are fighting truths, are kind of out there trying to make a difference in the world. And then I can have friends, we can all have friends who show up and help us to keep our hands up. That's Aaron and her. New Church would regard those as as sort of media, what's called mediate truths. In other words, it's, it's it's just a piece of knowledge that gets you from point A to point B kind of gets you, gets you through to the next thing. It's not the end goal, but it gets you through to the next thing. I, it, one that I love, it's from the book of Revelation, and God said, I will be with you always. I'll be with you always. Just close your eyes for a minute, folks. Just listen to that as I say it again. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, that's, that's a beautiful part of a, of a truth that's kind of holding our hands up on, on, either, on either side. Now, he, this, folks, is, is uh, you know, what does this mean in our lives? Like, how might we be able to capture this in language that we can understand in 2016? I might look at it this way. This is my idea. Take it, leave it. I think maybe it does tell us something. The miracles all around us. That's where we can start to see the miracles in this story that are all around us. How do you say that P word really loud? Whose passion to fight do you admire? So that's the Joshua truth. And oftentimes we have sort of a Joshua person in our life. We have somebody who like, oh, I am so glad that they, they're just a fighter. They're just, they're going to go out and they're going to fight the good fight. Um, you know, I think back to, to wonderful people I've had in my life who, who, you know, I could just count on them to say, that's not right. And I would think that's not right, but heaven forbid I say that's not right. But these are the people who are actually going to say it. They're going to say, no, I, I, I need to say what you're doing there. It's not right. That's the fighting truth. And again, I think we all can think of people like that. The next one, who's, oh, this is a mouthful. See if you get this. Who's, that was good. Whose groundedness do you look to when you tire? Whose groundedness do you look to when you tire? In other words, that foundational truth. Who's the person who's going to remind you of a foundational truth? They're going to ground you back into that. You know, I I can remember, um, you know, I had a privilege of working for for a wonderful headmaster uh, over here when I was teaching uh, high school. And I remember being all worried one year, you know, I was, it was head of, uh, head of admissions and, you know, my head just got going because the numbers weren't what I wanted them to be, blah, 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 blah. And, and he said something very profound. He said, Chuck, this was at the beginning of the school year. He said, just worry about the ones who are here. Just worry about the ones who are here. 
that was a grounding. That was a groundedness, like, oh, I can rest in that place. And the next one, who's... Whose inspiration do you count on to keep your arms up when times are tough? Like, who are the people who can stand with you, who you know just again and again help you to raise their arms? Now, this is such a powerful symbol, I think, an incredibly powerful symbol. Um, you know, for, for many people, many, many people wear a, a cross, you know, as a symbol of Christianity around their neck. I actually wear a Franciscan cross, if I can get it out here. Where'd it go? There we go. I wear a Franciscan cross. All right. And and a Franciscan cross is a, is an interesting symbol. Very interesting symbol. Now a, a Franciscan cross, it, it, if you notice, it looks sort of like a T, right? Not like a, a a cross that that a lot of us see, that a lot of us wear. And and the beauty of this cross is this: it does have a symbol, of course, of you know the Easter story, crucifixion, Christianity. Of course, it has that symbol. It also has another one I was reading about that I thought was really interesting. It's also a symbol of Moses having his arms held up by Aaron and her. Isn't that kind of a cool symbol? You know, that idea, yeah, that's, that's the symbol. Is that, is that, you know, that is part of the Christian message, is that, that we are here to hold up each other's arms, to inspire each other. So you might think, you know, having conversations about what those are, and I want to have a conversation right now about what those are so you can hear from people. So I'd ask my three volunteers who already came up, the, my three volunteers, Casey, Chris, and Rebecca, if you come on up here, and listen, we're going to do this a little differently. I need one more volunteer who's going to be the co-host with me. All right? So what I need is I need one person to raise their hand who's going to be the co-host. And come on up. Chris, you can right there. Do we have somebody? I need a brave soul. All right, come on up. Folks, give them a round of applause as I grab the microphone here. All right, so I'm going to let them just introduce themselves real quick, just with their name. I'm Jess. We got that, Marcus? I'm Jess. There we go. Rebecca. Casey. Chris. All right. So the way we're going to do this is uh, we're going to start out with a question here. And actually, Jessica's going to pose the question, and we're going to pass around the microphone. We're going to go through this three times with three questions. All right, Jess. What is a battle you have faced or are facing? Um, well, a lot of you guys saw me this last winter slowly go from standing to leaning to sitting. Um, so I had some spinal issues um, this, this winter, and it was compounded by uh, an autoimmune collapse that occurred all at the same time. So definitely had a challenge um, that I needed to overcome, compounded by a child and work and singing and, you know, those things you take on in life. So that would be mine. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, a big battle I faced was in my senior year in college. Uh, I've been playing baseball for 20 years now. It's the thing that I love to do. And my senior year, which was the last year, I actually had a bad injury where I broke my jaw in which I took a fastball to the face and um, the most difficult part about that, it wasn't so much the injury, 
It was more so, I thought my last impact on the thing I loved to do was the fact that I'd never play again from that injury. So um, I got through that battle, but that was a big battle for me a couple years ago. Thank you, Casey. Hi, most of you know already what mine is. Five years of cancer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've had good years. I've had bad years. I've had times I didn't come here for a while. Um, and I just keep barreling through. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Where does tiredness show up? That one's uh, that one's a good one. Um, so towards the end of the year, there, um, as you know, as I'm coming to the end of the year in work, I work in the, in the pharmaceutical industry, and everybody goes on vacation in Christmas. So everything gets crazy in November. They all have to get all their SOWs in. They need to do their budget for next year. They need to have everything in place. Plus, you have the end of school, so you have all these big projects. And so slowly but steadily, I started getting tired carrying just the burden and then singing. Um, and then I became tired carrying myself, um, you know, carrying my burdens on top of everything else. And I kept shoving them into the box, which makes you, I think, more tired. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think for me, tiredness shows up when things become predictable with work or the monotonous day in, day out. It's either a good day or it's a bad day. Um, and you start to really question whether it is what you're doing. I work in the uh, sales industry for a window company. And I think it, the day in, day out routine, the tiredness can show up and it's difficult to kind of get through that realizing it's the same routine and there's not much of a change or a risk taking place. Uh, I think for me, the tiredness shows up most when I have a bad time, um, when the load that I carry gets to be too much. Um, I end up sleeping a lot. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Who has been a God-given gift to help you through it? In other words, who has held your hand? That's an incredibly long list. <laughs> um, you know, at work, um, I did have people at work that jumped in to help carry the workload. At home, um, I had some wonderful people that are parents at my son's school that started taking him to and from school, taking him on days off, taking him to the doctor when he got strep throat while I was in the hospital. Um, Pastor Chuck showing up at my house. <laughs> but just out of the woodwork. Many people from this community, as well as family, coming through to help lift the load, coming through to help pick me up. Um, I think a big person in my life that has helped uh, raise my hand has definitely been my mother. Um, stories of my father when he was my age. And um, every now and then I have this weird feeling that I feel like my grandfather who passed a couple years ago was really guiding me and really just kind of reassuring um, what I'm doing. And uh, I think it's just a, a good place to be when I have the support from immediate family and close friends and relationships with people. Um, but it's almost like the, the spirit of those who pass is, is being weirdly kind of guiding me. And it's um, a good feeling sometimes when you think of that. My list is extremely long also. <laughs> 
Um, when I was first diagnosed, I would say quite a few people from this congregation, including Pastor Chuck, <laughs> um, a couple people from this congregation I don't even know in the last, like, year, um, people that I, I lost my job when I was first diagnosed, but my coworkers came and brought me coolers of food. <laughs> so I didn't have to go to the grocery store. And then um, I also had a couple, I, I used to dance a lot. And people from that community raised money. My parents came. It's long. <laughs> I guess my mom and dad the most. So, folks, first, could we just give these people a round of, I'm not going to let you guys go yet, but I want to give you a round of applause here. So I, I want you to hear the story there. Like, look at this slide. I think this is so important. We pray for miracles, and the miracles are, and the miracles are all around us. We pray for a miracle, and the miracles are all around us. And, and what, what starts to happen here, folks, of course, the end of the story ends like this, like you read the end of the story, the end of the story, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. In other words, they win. And I want you to understand what the winning is. Like, if you look at these, these, these four wonderful people here, and you, you look at what, what servant leadership is all about, and you look at what it actually means, I think it means this. You want to grab his hand over there. You want to grab him, and you want to raise his hands up here. Yeah, scoot over in there, Jess, a little bit. Come on and join us. Now, now, you, now you look at this. You guys feel like Rocky, don't you? Uh, you know, if you look at this, folks, you look at this, like, like, please listen, please listen so carefully. Please listen so carefully. Who is raising whose hand now? Like, we don't even know. Because we're all raising it together. That's servant leadership. Yes, I can come in and I can come into it and I can go, yeah, Casey needs a little hand. I want to help him raise his hand. I can come over here to Chris. I can say, she needs a whole boatload of refrigerated stuff so she doesn't have to go shopping. And in and, and Rebecca, I can stop by her house figuring like, I better say something nice because I so much love when she sings at New Church Live and I hope she's able to come back. Like, I, I can do all those things and, and we can all do all those things, right? And we show up and we show up and we show up. And what we find is that the person who we felt we were helping, the person who we felt we were helping them to raise their hands, guess what? They're raising ours. They're raising ours. That's servant leadership. This is what churches do. This is where the world... You guys are getting really tired now, aren't you? <laughs> This is, this is where the world starts to change. This is where we can all step up and make a difference. Thank you, folks. You may go back to your seats. Give them another round of applause, folks.
that was powerful being up there with those folks. You know, I, I think it just it just is that servant leadership thing, and and where where we can you know we're always praying for a miracle, and yet these miracles abound. They abound. Uh, of course, our hands go from this to feeling tired, and and then and then people show up. They show up in miraculous ways, and and our job is to continually be like Aaron and her, bearing witness to that miracle. A miracle that allows things to change out there in the battlefield of life. It really starts to make a difference. You know, I don't, I don't have perfect words to close this series. I just, I just want to offer, just, just think about what leadership can be in your life. Think about how you can show up. If I was to say it in its simplest form of servant leadership, like, here it is, folks, and it's not that grand. But man, is it powerful. Whose hand can you hold? Whose hand can you hold? That should give you a smile. That should give you joy. That should give you a grounded truth, a sense of inspiration, something to fight for. There you go. Servant leadership. We're now going to close today's service. I'm going to offer a prayer, and then you'll have the opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, to offer your own prayer, or just to have a moment of silent meditation. And then, guys, what was the last song? Shout it out to me. Which is the last song, guys? What is it? God makes me want to sing. So this is a really up number. Rebecca's singing it with band's going to do a great job. So, so that's your lyric that you got to memorize during the prayer to sing with us at this last song as we really try to leave on a note of inspiration. And then please join us as well for pretzels and Rita's. Does it get any better? Well, with Kentucky Fried Chicken, it'd be better. But, you know, does it get any better than that? So please join us. Join me for prayer and then join us after the service. So, Lord... Thank you for your presence here today. Lord, thank you for the four people who shared today. Thank you for their stories. Stories that tell us, Lord, that this word that you spoke thousands of years ago speaks to us here today, July 3rd, 2016. That it speaks to us of leadership. It speaks to us of the inevitable tiredness that we face in life, Lord, and it speaks to us of this of courage, of inspiration, of groundedness. A groundedness, Lord, that allows us to be in a firm place, a place where we understand we are loved, and an inspiration, Lord, that's able to hold our hands. A courage, Lord, that enables us to go out and go forth. Allow us to be in that place, Lord. Allow us to move there to be there. And finally, Lord, Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for your spirit of celebration. Allow it to fill our hearts. Allow it to be a song today. A song as we sing this last part of the New Church Live service. A song, Lord, of our hearts. A song of joy, happiness, and gratitude. Maybe even a song of servant leadership. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 